We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians 2.17 through 3.13. But since we are torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith, that no one be moved by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass, and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith, for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live, if you are standing fast in the Lord, for what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you so that we may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Please be seated. Thank you so much, Garrence. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Brian Patcher. I'm the associate pastor here, and it's a joy to be able to address and, and talk with you this morning. Uh, what is Providence Church known for? If you were maybe gone for a number of months on business or you even gone for a number of years and you wanted to hear about the report of kind of what's been happening here at Providence Church, what would you hear about? What, what's, what's it known for? If you asked around town even and you said, hey, what's that church that's over there on Detroit Road? What, what, what's it all about? What's it known for? I wonder what people would say. And here in our text this morning, you see Paul uh, in, in chapters, uh, the end of chapter 2 into chapter 3, really we're seeing Paul's inquiry into this news that he's waiting to hear about the church in Thessalonica. Chapter 2, uh, verse, verse 5 describes how, you know, or sorry, chapter, yeah, it was he was fearing, chapter 3, verse 5, he's, he's fearing that there's this news that could be, uh, that the church has walked away, and you kind of wonder uh, what's going on, but news does come of the Thessalonians, and it's not of their failure, but it's of their faithfulness. And the letter itself of 
1 Thessalonians was probably written, you know, just after Timothy has returned, and that's kind of this section in chapter 3, the end of chapter 3. You have Timothy returning, and Paul just overwhelmed with joy and thankfulness on behalf of the church. And the question that I began to, or not the question, the statement I began to think about is that how you as a congregation, how we walk with Jesus really does matter. In a culture where, you know, there's failure, there, where there, everyone's looking for that kind of next failure or the next leader to fall, how you as a congregation walk with Jesus matters. Faithfulness is a distinguishing characteristic of the Christian. Giving in or giving up should not be, you know, the normalized life of the follower of Jesus. And so you look at Paul and you look at his message and you say, you know, why was Paul just so encouraged by the faith of the Thessalonians? And I think for one reason, as you look at kind of the the radical transformation that happened in the church, you see that they were turning away from idols and they were serving the living and true God. And, And that was just as radical then as it is now as as we begin to take seriously the commands to follow Jesus and the radical nature of how our lives should be different. It's just as radical then as it was now to have faith in Jesus. And so when you're talking about faith or faithfulness, I think it's important, you know, to have a, have a real understanding of what is faith. And uh, I, I'm indebted to, to Pastor Caleb. Maybe some of you got to experience his workshop uh, on, on faithfulness as the distinguishing characteristic of a Christian. But one of the definitions that uh, we described in that class was that faith, in, in a biblical sense, is really much closer to the word loyalty that we have in English than, than kind of like a blind faith or a questioning faith. But you think of faith as loyalty or a believing allegiance that we have. And so when you think about that you have faith in Jesus, what you have is you have loyalty to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Everything should change about us as we follow Jesus. So my question to you is, does your following of Jesus really upset the status quo of the culture around you? Do your neighbors and friends and, and uh, coworkers, do they, do they look at your priorities and your ethic and they say, like, that person is different because they follow Jesus? It's, it, it's challenging to me as a pastor thinking, like, okay, like, they, they know you're a pastor. Is your life different? How are you living? What's happening? And, and we as a church get to, to play that out together because our faithfulness is not for us only, but it's on, it really is on display for all to see. I think this point is really proclaimed loud, loudly when you see you know, the, the negative aspect. So if you see someone who was unfaithful, right? That unfaithfulness, whether it's in a political, religious, or marketplace, you know, leader, and they're falling, you know, that that really becomes on display. And church, you don't know what type of blessing that you can be to those around you through your faithful following of Jesus, because people are looking, people are watching, 
And faithfulness really can spread encouragement all over in the church. It's, it, it can spread like wildfire around. And so I look at, at, the, at the text and I think, okay, what made Paul so thankful? Why was he thankful? And, and it was because their faith was being lived out. You see, that it says in verse 6, it says, you know, Timothy has brought good news of your faith and love. And then later it says, you know, in verse 7, it says, they've been comforted by you through your faith. It was their faith lived out. Living a life of faith is, is, is played out in every arena of our lives. You know, we don't have the ability to just play it out in the quiet little spaces, you know, in, in, our, in our homes or on a Sunday where we say, well, I'm, I'm faithful uh, on, on Sunday. No, like faithfulness and following Jesus can and should affect all areas of our life. And then it, and then it, it spreads to others. It's, it's naturally relational and communal. Because just the nature of being faithful, yes, we're faithful to the one true God, but we're also faithful, and there's a responsibility that we have as followers of Christ to, to really walk with Jesus together. It's a wonderful thing that, you know, that we, should, we should, be, should be doing. Does, does, the question that I kind of wrestled with was, does faith of other people actually bring me joy? You know, like, do I look at other people and be like, yes, like, God is working there. God is working there. God is working there. And I'm so excited about it. I, think, I see Paul, and I, I'm kind of amazed at the way that, I mean, the place that he's most joyful and, and most thankful is because of other people's faith. In order for this to happen, though, you have to be known, you have to walk with others. You have to know, like, uh, maybe a question that you could ask is like, who really knows you? We can't be known by everybody, you know, in a real deep, deep way, but there can be some that really, really know you as a person and others that you really, really know. We can share stories and we can live lives and we can, you know, talk about questions like, hey, how are you actively pursuing Jesus? And, and where are you surrendering more and more? And there becomes this, you know, this communal element, right? We're together. We're walking with Jesus together. Last week, we were talking about prayer and the, the, the nature of, of prayer in the letter of First Thessalonians and in Paul. And you see in, in verse 9 that you see Paul says, like he's, he's praying, he's, he's returning this thanksgiving, he's overflowing uh, with thanksgiving over to the Lord. And it's specifically to whom? To, to God. And you see what, what happens. It really implies that Paul's great reliance and surrender is to God as the active agent in their relationship, the relationship between Paul and the Thessalonians. You have God at the very center. God himself was active in their lives to re reproduce uh, and produce this kind of spiritual tenacity in the midst of great opposition. And so, you know, we can live that type of life together and, and have God at the very center. In order for that to happen, you know, people really do have to be important in our lives. 
you know, we'll say things like, uh, and they can be cliche, you know, people over tasks, right? Or uh, others over self. And we say that as Christians, you know, others are more important than ourselves. But living that out in a day-to-day basis is really hard because I have an agenda. I have a plan. I have a plan for my day. I have a plan for what it would look like as opposed to, you know, being open to like, no, this brother or this sister, you know, needs me to sit and listen. Or this brother or this sister needs to, to just, you know, allow me or allow this ministry to happen naturally. So who really, really knows you? I think about, you know, in the scriptures, there's two things that are said that are going to last forever, and it's the word of God and the souls of people. And my question is, are people really, really important to you? And how are you living that out on a day-to-day basis, because if, if we're really living out faithfulness, then it's gonna be reflected in a radical other-centered love. Faith in Jesus, and you know, you look at the church in, in, in the Thessalonians and their faith in Jesus, not wavering in their newfound beliefs, there's this young church, and, and they began to model genuine faith, and it overflowed in joy and thankfulness and surrender. Even at the very end of chapter two, you know, Paul looks right at the Thessalonians and I think he says, you know, what is the hope and joy, the crown of our boasting before the, before the Lord? Is it not you? And I, I imagine him like, you know, again, overflowing in thankfulness and you're looking at like, it's you. It's you who are walking with the Lord, and we can do that. There's, there's a, a joy in community and service that happens in the gospel. There's a bond and a fellowship that goes way beyond some kind of, you know, normal, familial relationship, but one that has, you know, that goes beyond. It, it, it takes a lot, though. It takes a lot to find your joy in other people, and it really forces us to take our eyes off of ourself and ask questions, you know, like, who, who is my neighbor? How do I love? How am I doing in this area? And then taking steps. You know, the type of, of joy and community really happens when people live life in the trenches together. I, I don't think it's much different than, you know, in an, kind of in an analogous sense, a relationship between those who have combat experience or military experience, and you look at the, the you know, use phrases like the, the band of brothers that happened and the, and the relationships that they formed being in the trenches. And I think we, as followers of Jesus, can have those types of relationships with one another because we are faithfully walking with Jesus in and out. I think of, you know, my wife was on crew staff for a number of years, and she would say, like, you know, you could meet another crew staff member in a different part of the country, and then instantaneously have a relationship with them, because you had those shared experiences, and I think that happens with us as well. You meet another believer. Why do you have instantaneous connection? It's because, because there's joy in communal walking with, with, with the Lord, and so I, I, I just wonder, you know, what is the role of love in your life? How are you living out? And we, we, as believers, we should be growing in Christian love for one another and for all. And do you really love people? I, I, I have to ask myself the question all the time, how can I love well in this situation? 
How do I do it? It's helpful, I think, real clearly, it's helpful to see that Paul himself, you know, as if you look through 1 Thessalonians, he didn't just leave, you know, you to figure out what loving was in some kind of ethereal or, you know, existential sense. But if you look at 1 Thessalonians, you can say, like, what did Paul do and how did he love? And so I wanted to put them down in your, in your notes because all of these are just, you know, simple, what is it, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 10 simple ways that you can love just like Paul loved. And here's what he did. He shared his life with a group of people. He called them to imitate his life in following Jesus. He, he you know, he, he cared for them. He shared the gospel in the midst of much conflict. There was, uh, there's difficulty every place where Paul went, and yet he was willing to share the gospel even though he knew that like affliction and difficulty was gonna come alongside. It says also that he was gentle among them. You know, one, one passage in 1 Thessalonians talks about how he was like a, like, a, like a father who cared. Another one says that he was gentle like a nursing mother. And you think like these, these, these terms of endearment that happen when you're in the trenches together and you're serving and you're caring for one another. Those are all ways to love. He worked night and day as not to become a burden on them financially. So you wonder what Paul would have been like maybe in the evenings and, and you know, uh, believe that Paul's a tent maker, so he's, he's sewing, he's cutting fabrics. And I imagine, you know, just like you, if you invite another brother or sister to, to you know, work together and you're, you're, you're shoulder to shoulder working on something, but at the same time talking about the gospel and loving and asking questions and getting to know them. Paul was genuinely concerned uh, for their suffering he knew that they had suffered the exact same things that, that, that he had gone through. And even just in his small letter in 1 Thessalonians, you see that he prayed for them regularly. He wanted to visit. He wanted to visit so bad that he sent another brother, Timothy, which is why we get this kind of report, this section in the scriptures. He sent Timothy to say, like, I love this church so much. Can you please go check on the church? Go see what's going on. He encouraged them. He instructed them in the way of the Lord. Like these are 10 tangible ways that you can love people. You can care for them. You know, Paul looked at, uh, you know, these, the, these types of radical, other-centered love and um, another section or another idea that really is pulled out of this text is the idea of the connection between suffering and encouragement, suffering together. And, and the question that we need to, to ask is that what really brings real comfort in the midst of affliction? What, what is it that brings this type of comfort? And so uh, if you look here, even what is the answer? What brings comfort? And the comfort comes right out of uh, verse 6 and verse 7, right? The comfort is they brought us good news of their faith. It was their faithfulness. Uh, in all our, verse 7, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your, what? Your faith. And so you look at, at this, this, this idea that, okay, Paul was suffering. The church in Thessalonica, in Thessalonica was suffering. And there's a corporate nature as they're suffering together in the body of Christ. This is kind of a weird question, but 
how are you suffering with other brothers and sisters in Christ? How are you walking alongside people in grief that, that, that's so strong and so, you know, locked arms with them that their grief becomes your grief? How are you hearing about the, the nature and the call of, you know, the church around the globe and saying, you know, I'm, I want to pray for them regularly and walk through this world with them? It's interesting that even from the text, because their faith is really, you know, the capstone element that brought comfort in the midst of affliction, I think it's interesting that Paul looks at it and says, you know, it's not their physical, mental, and emotional safety that brought comfort, but it's faithfulness. I think I can get overly caught up in wanting to pray, you know, for people's suffering to end, which we should be praying for, but I miss the faithfulness of walking with Jesus in the midst of suffering sometimes. I get caught up with, you know, wanting, wanting my own suffering to end because, you know, I'm, I'm a temporal person and I, I don't want to suffer. <laughs> and then, as opposed to saying, like, God, help me walk faithfully in the midst of my suffering. Standing firm with Jesus in the midst of affliction really brings more growth and comfort than caving into the pressures of the day, doesn't it? It's like, what, what do you want life to really be like is a question you should ask or to ask it in the way, you know, Paul does in verse eight. You know, he, he gives it as a statement. He says, for now we live if you are standing firm in the Lord. And so my question is, what, you know, what is living? What is living? And how do you define it? And how do you run after that which is really life? And, and couldn't you, from our text today, you know, really define living as walking together in faith through adversity? No matter what comes your way, no matter what comes you know, down, down in the circumstances of life, you are walking in faith in the midst of adversity, and you're doing it together. Uh, I think abandoning the faith is always a possibility. I do. I think that's why Paul, in, in you know, chapter 3, uh, verse 5, he says, you know, he sent Timothy to learn about your faith, but I fear that the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. And so I think that's the main, one of the main aims of the adversary. He's kind of like whispering things like, you know, is faithfulness really important? Did God, did God really say that you should do that? And when we have this communal element of walking with the Lord and a dynamic of like, we are staying the course together. We're gonna link arms. We're gonna join our efforts. I don't think we like to talk, you know, even our, uh, our statement on the catechism today, you know, about uh, about following the commandments of the Lord. I think as a people, we're generally like, you tell me the rule, and I'm going to go in the opposite direction, as opposed to saying, like, there is joy in following together. There's joy in you approaching another brother and sister and saying, be faithful with me. Let, let's go together. Let's walk with Jesus in the midst of great adversity. Walking in faithfulness is really done together. You know, Jesus 
has nourished our souls, your souls, the church, and so therefore we're able to nourish and care for one another. We need, we need each other. And praise God for, for local churches uh, and places where faithful followers of Jesus can walk together in Christian love and can look at each other and say, join me, join me, follow Christ together. You know, I said this, I said this earlier, I said that our faithfulness, you know, is not for us, but it's on display for all to see. And I know in my life, there's times where I need another brother or a sister to come behind me and kind of give me a little kick in the behind and say like, Brian, you, you, you need to do this differently. This is an area in your life that is, that's, that's lacking. Repent, turn away. You know, like there, there's a new life in Jesus. I need that in my life. And I think, I think um, as, as followers of Jesus, we do also. And, and, you know, and for, for other people who are here, you need to know that uh, the reason we're worshiping Jesus is because we've all fallen short. And because his great love for us, as he, and, and he forgives us by the blood of Jesus. You know, you might be a cynic, uh, you might be sitting here and wondering uh, about this whole Jesus thing, and I praise God that you are here and wondering about the Jesus thing, um, because you might look around and think, faithfulness in today's world, and especially in today's church, is obsolete and impossible and in a fantasy. And uh, if you wonder that, you're probably in good company uh, because Jesus himself, you know, said, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? And I think the answer to that is yes, yes, he will. He will find faith on the earth. He will find faithful followers of Jesus. God is using men and women, just like you, right? Just like Providence Church, to walk in, in you know, joy and encouragement and in the gospel together. And maybe you don't know the people around you, and, and, and that could be marching orders for you to say, I need to know and walk alongside others in the gospel. I need to know my church family more. I need to get involved. Do it. Walk together. You know, for both of us, you know, whether you are a follower of Jesus or, or not, you know, the, the, the standard really is the same. Like, we, we're both going to be judged by what God is doing, and he is going to bring uh, judgment upon us, but we can thanks be to God, right? for his kindness to provide Jesus in our place. Thanks be to God. We can look each other right in the eye and say, let's walk faithfully with Jesus. Let's strive against sin and let's humbly repent and seek forgiveness when we've done wrong. 